Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for more stories and music with Rachel Naomi Remen and Karen Drucker. Welcome, everybody. Greetings. It's so wonderful to have you here. Well, let me say happy autumn to everyone, or at least happy autumn to those of you in this hemisphere. Uh, For those of you with us now or listening later, um, we are welcoming you here. It's great to have you here. I am Kira Epstein, the program coordinator at the New School of Commonweal. It's great to have Rachel, Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen and Karen Drucker back with us. We've had them with us almost monthly since last Thanksgiving, and it has been wonderful to be able to offer these stories and song conversations and events for you guys. You can find all of them on our website and on our Uh, media stations, which are SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. For anyone that may be new to the New School at Commonweal, we're a program that presents conversations and performances with inspirational artists like these ladies, leaders, scientists, activists, and doctors, among many others that are focused on the areas of nature, culture, and inner life. Uh, We've been offering our programs for more than 15 years now, and we have almost 400 conversation recordings. And you can find them all, as I mentioned, on our media stations. Most of you already know our guests. Rachel is the co-founder and the current medical director for the Commonweal Cancer Health Program, and she's joined us many times at the new school. She was just at Commonweal for an incredible conversation with the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, so you can look for that recording as well. Karen is a keynote speaker, women's retreat facilitator, songwriter, and entertainer who has recorded 22 CDs. Her music come straight from the heart, which you'll hear soon. And we're honored to have her here with us to celebrate again. Finally, a big thank you and welcome for you who are joining us. It's wonderful to have you guys live. Uh, it's, it's a joy to have people to be able to interact with and act, ask questions. And for those of you listening later, we love you too. So Karen and Rachel and all of you watching live or later, Thank you for joining us at the new school at Commonweal. Over to you, Karen and Rachel. Thank you, Kira. Good morning, Rachel. You look <gasps> fabulous. You know what's so I, This is what I love about Zoom. I'm seeing your cat's tail every once in a while, like right in the, in the screen. It's like the cat tail is going, hello, I'm here too. Please My notice cat me. Tail. Yes. yes. <laughs> you didn't know I had a cat tail, did you? <laughs> What a great group we have here today. What an amazing, they're from all over, Rachel. This is, this is going to be lovely. Good, good. Good. So, all right. Well, today, should I start off with a song, Rachel? Would you like me to sing a little thing? Sing a thing. Sing a thing. <laughs> so we've been talking about, you know, one of the things I love about doing these every month is that Rachel and I get together on the phone and we just chat about what this subject is and what autumn is and what harvest is. And we both get to look inside our hearts and kind of see where we're going to go with this. And for me, see what songs work. And this morning I woke up 
totally changed what I was going to do and realized that to me, autumn and harvest is that time of year where we're starting to just go deeper in. You know, I mean, when winter comes, we're fully immersed in that inner inner world, but we're just starting right now, it seems like, to, to get quieter, to go within. And I thought it really comes down to, for me, listening, having deep listening, starting to just, the, the summer, you know, all the craziness that's going on, but now I feel like I'm starting to go within a little bit more and listen. And I found this great uh, little quote from this person named Rachel Remen. I don't know if any of you know her, but I found this great quote that it really sets up this song great. And she said, in this culture, the soul and the heart often go homeless. Listening creates a holy silence. When you listen generously to people, they can hear the truth in themselves often for the first time. And in the silence of listening, you can know yourself in everyone. And eventually, you may be able to hear in everyone and beyond everyone, the unseen singing softly to itself and to you. So that's why this song seems like a perfect match to that. Now I want you to sing with me today. This is my magic wand that says you can sing. So I'll teach it to you. No push, no pull. I am empty and full. I breathe and receive and listen. So feel free, close your eyes, but I want you to sing with me. I'll teach it to you. It goes like this. No push, <coughs> no pull. I am empty and full. I breathe and receive. And I listen, listen, listen. No push, no pull, no pull. I am empty and full. I am empty. I breathe and receive, I breathe and receive, and listen, 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 listen. Do that again, no push, no pull, no push, no pull, I am empty and full. receive and listen you can answer me if you want on this one no push no pull I am empty and full I breathe and receive and I listen, 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 listen. Okay, some new words here. I trust, I let go. I trust, let go, let go, surrender and know. I surrender and know. My heart is open. My heart is open. 
to listen. As part of this meditation this morning, put your hand on your heart and say, I trust. Let go. Let go. Surrender and know. I surrender and know. My heart is open to listen. My heart is open to listen, 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 listen. One more time. I trust. I trust. Let go. Let go. I surrender. I surrender. And know. And know. My heart. My heart is open. To listen, 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 listen. Let's go back up to the top. No push, no pull. No push, no pull. Empty and full. I am empty and full. I breathe and receive. And I listen, listen. One more time. No push, no pull. I am empty and full. I breathe and receive, and I listen, 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 listen. I just listen, 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 listen. I drop down in this autumn time. I listen, 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 listen. I listen. So just take a deep breath. Letting yourself get here for this hour that we have together. Ready to open your heart. Listen to these wonderful stories. Listen to your own heart. So a little meditation to start us off, Rachel. Okay. <laughs> so um autumn. Autumn. It's been interesting. A number of people, you know, follow along, and sometimes a friend will call and say, I understand you're doing the, your, your session again, and it's on XYZ, and they want to talk about it. And this time, somebody called and said, I uh, understand um, you're doing it on autumn. <laughs> said, what are you going to say about that? <laughs> and he said, You mean the time when everything dies? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a fun hour. <laughs> I said, well, that's one way of looking at it, I suppose. <laughs> and I think um, the way uh, a culture deals with old age allows you to see the wisdom in the culture. Right? Our culture is not particularly wise when it comes to life in general, and and this is where it shows up. This is where it shows up. 
autumn, autumn, a time when everything dies, right? Um, I thought I would tell you some stories, just say a few things and see where that goes. And um, one of them is a classic story. Old age in America is one of the most difficult times of life. And it's our culture that makes it difficult. Old age is a time usually of gratitude. But I think that many people don't experience it that way in our culture. So I thought I'd tell you a story that happened um, when I was still in medical school. I was very young. Um, And I attended the retirement dinner of one of our most famous um, faculty members. And he was the recipient of of many professional international prizes. Um, And this doctor um, uh, was in his 70s. And with his national reputation and the respect that was uh, his because of what he had achieved, people had come from all over the world to celebrate um, his retirement. And the talk that he gave was remarkable. He talked about um, all that he had discovered, everything he had learned. um, with, With his usual brilliance, he summarized the, 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 the progress of medical science in the 50 years since he had become a physician, uh, integrating it into a, a remarkable synthesis and pointing to the directions of the future of research. It was an intellectual tour de force, and he received a long standing ovation when he finished talking. Then on in the evening, uh, a group of first-year medical students, myself among them, um, got up the courage to go to speak to him and offer him our congratulations and admiration. Right? Um, he was gracious. One of our number asked him if he had any words for us now at the very beginning of our careers as doctors, anything he thought we should know. He hesitated. And then he said that despite his professional success and recognition, he felt that he knew nothing more about life now than he had at the beginning, that he had become no wiser. His face became sad and withdrawn. It has slipped through my fingers, he told us. None of us understood what he meant. Um, Talking about it afterwards, I attributed it to modesty. Some of the others wondered if he had at last become senile. Now, almost 65 years later, my heart goes out to him. And you know, The elderly are not valued. As a matter of fact, we're invisible in this culture, literally invisible. Um, 
And I just wanted to talk about that and what that's like and what growing old. I'm 85 now. Uh, what growing old is about, and it's an amazing journey. It's absolutely amazing, right? Um, the, about the invisibility, there's a poem that um, Ron Kirtage wrote um, on significance. It's called On Significance, and it's about a cat. <laughs> no one would take her when Ruth passed. As the survivors assess the value of all of Ruth's valuable antiques, I kept hearing, she's old. Someone should put her down. I picked her up instead. Every night I tell her about the fish who gave their lives for her, the ones in the cheerful aluminum cans. She lies on my chest to sleep, rising and falling, rising and falling like a rowboat fastened to a battered dock with a string. Oh, that's beautiful, Rachel. It's a beautiful poem, isn't it? Well, you know, it's really helped me, Rachel, when you've talked about what you just said a minute ago, that growing older, it's just, it's this adventure and it's this reframe for someone like me who is 20 years younger to hear that it's not this horrible thing that society makes it up to be that I'm so nervous about what's going to happen in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And your take on it is is so refreshing and I think something that we need to talk about more in our culture. I think we need to talk about what is natural in our culture, not what we have imposed upon old age by our valuing of adolescence. <laughs> mm, yes. Yeah. Old age is a time of the harvest. It's a time of the harvest, right? It's a time when you discover um, what it is that you have planted and sowed and will be nurtured by and leave behind you for others to be nurtured by as well. Uh, what people think about you no longer defines you. You are absolutely one of a kind. One of a kind. In the history of the human race, which goes back to the caves, hundreds of thousands of years, there has never been a human being like you. And no one has ever lived a life like yours. That's how totally unique you are and how much you are not a function of what others think of you. And you do not need to defend your uniqueness in any way. Um, somehow or other, in my experience of, of growing to be 85, I seem to have become open to joy. Mm -hmm. And joy seems very natural, not something you have to work towards and something you have to get past X and Y in order to experience. It's just basically the way things are, being alive, 
being being it's a it's the appreciation of small things, but they're not really small. They're little miracles. And the appreciation of relationships. Um, as you know, Karen, I'm a person who shops in junk stores. You and me both. It's one of the things we love doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a treasure hunter. I'm a treasure hunter. Um, and very often I come across something of great beauty in the stories. It's maybe something small. Often it's handmade or hand-sculptured or hand-painted, but it's, it's a one-of-a-kind thing. And in the past... 25 years ago, I would have bought it. <laughs> and I would have had a house full of these things. A lot of clutter in the house. Full of these things. Now, I just take joy in the fact that it exists. Mm, that's really beautiful. Well, and, and Rachel, my, <laughs> my experience also of you is that you take the time, you know, you taught this, you taught this to me when we went, I think, to Ross or Marshall's or whatever. And I'm in my, okay, I've got 20 minutes to go through this store and I'm just kind of looking at stuff. And you, you were taking so much time looking at all the things on the shelf one by one. And you would notice these things that you would say, come back, look at this, look at the beauty in this. And I think that's one of our conversations that we had the other night was just the small things that that you didn't notice before, like your cat purring. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was that's a funny story, isn't it? Do tell. Yeah, <laughs> I have two Maine Coon cats, and for those of you who are not followers of cats, these are the big guys. Uh, without being heavy or fat, my cats are 25 pounds a piece, and the average cat is about 10 pounds. That's a big cat. That would be eight pounds, right? So they're really big, really big guys. And uh, my boy is, um, he's golden. Um, he's absolutely glorious. He's orange. There isn't one white hair on him, and he, he weighs 20, 22, 23 pounds. He's impressive. <laughs> He's impressive. And um, I decided I would name him Oscar, because at the end of the day, if you have made a contribution to the world and what have you, um, they give you the Oscar. <laughs> and that's a golden boy. That's what an Oscar is. It's a golden statue of a young man. And this is my golden young man, this cat. So his name is Oscar. And Oscar sleeps next to me in my bed. Um, well, he's now eight or nine years old. And so he's been sleeping there every night for nine years. And what there is, is I take a, an old quilt, a feather quilt, and I fold it in, up into quarters. And he's, he lies in the middle of it. It sinks down in the middle. And he lies there and he sleeps all night next to me, right? And about a year and a half to two years ago, I woke up in the night and there was this strange sound. And I realized, um, what is that? <laughs> What is that noise? And I kept listening to it. And I realized it was coming from next to me in bed. And it was Oscar. 
because all night long he purrs. <laughs> he purrs all night long. He'd been doing it for seven years, and I had never heard him before. And it's the most wonderful sound in the world to lie there in the dark next to a big cat that is purring out of pure joy of being close to you. Oh. Didn't well, you? I think that's a nice little setup for a little song. Yeah. So this is a this is a, a little chant that I want you all to sing with me. Speaking of just being blessed wherever you are. And this was the, the beginnings. This is taken from a Mary Oliver poem. That sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. So I'll have you sing it with me. It goes like this. It's really easy. It just goes like this. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Want to sing that with me? Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. I am blessed.
as I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. You're listening to a TNS presentation with Rachel Naomi Remen and Karen Drucker. Um, I just want to say a word about the power of chanting. That um, I had never recognized what, what a chant was, and I'd never known anyone who practiced this ancient art until I met you. And you know, in America, we need a new sentence. Every 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 sentence we sing in a song is a new sentence, right? Um, and a song tells a story. Uh, but a chant gives us an experience of something that's true. Mm. And it's much older than a song. It's something that goes back a long, long way because it changes consciousness. And somebody said to me who had been watching us, saying, you know, I love the songs she sings. And I thought it might be interesting just to say that those aren't songs, there's a chance. And they're part of a much older tradition. And they literally change the person that sings them. Yeah. And that's why I write them. I just, I truly believe that when we are singing, especially affirmative words, which is what all my chants are, I'm always doing something that's a positive message. It goes into my heart. And if I'm singing a, you know, just a regular song with lots of lyrics, I'm more up here. I'm listening but when I can go into my heart and sing those things over and over, that's when I have a, a change in my yeah. attitude and my consciousness. So, Our usual thing that we're here doing is performance. Performance. This isn't performance, it's transformation. Yeah, that's what I love. That's what yeah. I love the most. It transforms us. Yes. And if you are in the middle of a, a very difficult day, you can start to chant to yourself and shift your experience and have greater access to your strength. Well, that's one of the things I do in my women's retreats is I have people, I call it, sing the song of your soul. And I have them go inside and listen. What is it that you need to say to yourself? Mm -hmm. And then write a one-line positive affirmation. I, I am, or I feel, or whatever, I claim today, and, and start, but you could put that into a, a nursery rhyme, or a, you know, one of your favorite songs, just sing that melody over and over, and it will, it will change you, so that's why I do what I do. I, I love what you do, it, it has great magic in it. Oh, thank you, Rachel. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I also wanted to talk about the perspective of, of, of age and how how different it is we see things when we're when we're old, how we see things much more for what they are, and we see process for what it is. And I just wanted to share a story about that. Um I think our wisdom lies here. Uh, old age is associated with 
not knowledge necessarily, which is what this poor professor was saying. He had all this knowledge and all this recognition for his contribution to knowledge. And he felt he had missed something. And what he'd missed is accessible to all of us. It's the wisdom that you only gain by living for 85 years. <laughs> and you don't have to try to get it. happens to you. It's natural. It happens to you. What happens also to you is that you become invisible when you're old. And I also wanted to say something about that because it's, it's funny and then it gets hurtful as well. And it's ridiculous also. But um, let me just say, tell you a story about process, right? And it's a story about my dad, my father. Um, in the beginning of December, the year I was 13 years old, my father declared bankruptcy. That was the year we all made our Christmas presents. I remember waiting for Christmas with more than the usual anticipation, anxious to know if the muffler that I had secretly knit for my father would please him, and how the bracelet that I had designed and made from copper wire would look on mom. Despite the stress in the household on Christmas morning, the living room was much as always, with the familiar decorations and the coffee table heaped with presents, only wrapped this year in the sporting green se section of the, the newspaper and tied with last year's red ribbons. Among them lay a small velvet box. Even at 13, I knew that such a box was not likely to contain something homemade. Right? I looked at it with suspicion. My father smiled. It's for you, he told me. Open it. Inside, there was a pair of 24-karat gold earrings. They were exquisite. I stared at them in silence, bewildered, feeling the weight of my homeliness, my awkwardness, my shyness, my hopeless difference from my classmates who easily laughed and flirted and joked. Aren't you going to try them on? prompted my father. So I took them into the bathroom and closed the door and put them on my ears. Cautiously, I looked into the mirror. My sallow, pimply face and lank, oily hair, oily before it even dried from a shower, looked much as always. The earrings looked absurd. Tearing them from my ears, I rushed back into the living room and flung them on the floor. How could you do this? I shrieked at my father. Why are you making fun of me? Take them back. They look stupid. I'm too ugly to wear them. How could you waste all this money? And then I burst into tears. My father said nothing until I had cried myself out. Then he passed me his clean folded handkerchief. I know they don't look right just now, he said quietly. I bought them because someday they will suit you perfectly. Mm. I am truly grateful to have survived my adolescence. Mm. 
at some of its lowest moments, I would get out the box and look at the earrings. My father had spent $200 he did not have because he believed in the person I would become in the fullness of time. It was something to hold on to. Behind my father's gift lay the kind of double vision, which is the perspective of autumn, the mark of everyone who is a healer. He would have, he could have told me not to cry, that someday I would be a lovely woman, but that would have belittled my pain and invalidated my experience, the truth of the moment. What he did was far more powerful. He acknowledged my pain and its appropriateness while backing the natural growth that his perspective at the time this happened, he was 53 years old. His perspective made available to him. He knew that I would grow to be a beautiful woman. It wasn't just an idea. It wasn't just an idea. I have worn these earrings on many occasions. I've worn them on occasions where uh, my work has been celebrated. I've worn them on occasions when um, things have been really important to me. Um, they were not a theory. They were an experience, right? And only a person of his age could have offered this to me. It was not a theory, it was something he knew because he had lived this longer life than I. Mm. Yeah. And you know, old people are invisible in our country. I can't tell you how many times I've gone with my assistant who is a beautiful young woman into a store and they talk to her <laughs> and I'm not there I'm not there and a previous assistant would become annoyed with this and once she looked at the saleswoman and said talk to her she's got the wallet <laughs> right? yeah but um uh I want to read you a story about that Okay, it's a, it's a cloak of invisibility. My mother enjoyed it. She would be able, she said, it's wonderful. People talk in front of me. They would never dream of saying things and doing things in front of a younger person. Like that. But they talk in front of me as if I don't exist. And I get to have a, a view that I would never have before. I, I really enjoy this, Rachel. You gotta, you're going to enjoy this, right, when this happens to you. Right? So the close of, of invisibility. I sometimes wonder if too great a scientific ob objectivity can actually make you blind. Um, uh, as, a, as a physician, I have found it's possible to study life for many years <laughs> and not know life at all. Right? Just after she started working as a physician on the Indian reservation, Elizabeth was asked to see an elderly woman and her daughter. The older woman was far into her 90s, tiny and dry. 
her hair dressed in the traditional way. She had many significant physical problems which had never been adequately treated. For the past few years, she had lived in the home of her daughter who provided her care. In Elizabeth's office, it was the daughter who did all of the talking. The old woman simply watched and waited. Elizabeth saw them every other week for more than two years. During that time, she diagnosed and successively treated the, the many, many of the old woman's complex physical problems. She gave antibiotics for an infection of the urine, managed the woman's diabetes, and brought her blood sugar into the normal range, digitalized her and reversed her incipient heart failure, um, revised her diet uh, in keeping with the limitations of her barely functioning liver. Uh, she ordered lab tests. She mobilized social services to help the daughter care for her mother and, and enabled her to find financial support from a government grant. Finally, at 96, the old woman died. By this time, her chart was more than an inch thick. Reading through, through it in order to write a summary, Elizabeth had been proud of the way that she had handled this complex case. Several months later, she received a call from a researcher at the University of Arizona. He was wondering if she had the time to talk to him. He was writing a book about the American Indian medicine traditions and was especially interested in the great medicine women who had received the ancient lineage and kept alive the ancient ways of healing. A few were still living, and he had been able to locate the family of one of them. Unfortunately, the woman herself had recently died. Her family did not, could not answer his questions and had told him to contact Elizabeth. They had told him that she too was a doctor, that she had taken care of their mother and met with her many times. She knew their mother well. She would have the answers that, they, that he needed. Elizabeth smiled ruefully. I have never forgotten it, she said. I think of her sitting there all those months watching me shuffle my papers and tracking my lab data and knowing what she knew. I wonder what was going through her mind. I had been so busy with my numbers and tests that I would, um, I had been so busy with my numbers and tests, what I would give for only one hour with her now to ask her any of my unanswered questions, to have her perspective on suffering or loss or illness or death, or simply to ask for her blessing. It made me wonder how many other opportunities I have missed, how many times wisdom has passed me by as I track its lab data, probably a great deal. Hmm. Wow. Well, yeah, that's a perfect setup for this little song. Good. Thank you. 
So this is a song I wrote with my friends Robert and Karen Taylor Good. About truly seeing people. Look at the way that you're looking at me. You add up the facts, think you know what you see. You see bed 39, a shell of a man. But you don't see who I am. I wish you'd see me. Really see me If you take the time There's more that you'd find If you see me I'm a father of three I taught school all my life For 51 years took care of my wife I fought in the great war brave soldier strong man but still you don't see who I am I wish you'd see me really see If you take the time, there's more that you'd find if you see me. You see an ancient old codger who can't take a bite or a step by himself. But look at my trophies, my medals and my history's right there on the shelf Just ask me a question You might be surprised There's wisdom and humor Behind these old eyes If patience and kindness Are part of our plan Then I could show you who I am and then you'd see me you'd really see me if you take the time there's more that you'd find if you see me just see perfect story to follow that, Karen. All right, this is a story that was told to me by a 68-year-old man who is the director of um, a large and powerful hospital. And uh, he works in the clinic uh, at least one or two days a week, usually seeing uh, patients who have, quote, no teaching value. 
Okay. Uh, those who present no medical challenge or diagnostic problem, uh, the ones who do, the patients who do, are saved for, the, for younger doctors who are still in training. And he, of course, at 65, is long beyond his training. He just likes to go and see patients, right? And on this particular Monday afternoon, one of these patients, Amishas Gonzalez, was his regular two o'clock appointment. She was an elderly lady, maybe 80, in the last stages of breast cancer. No further treatment was available for her. So at each visit, he would listen to how her week went, adjust her pain medications, and treat any other complaints that she had as best he could. On this particular Monday, as always, he made adjustments in her, her medications and her palliative regime. And then he decided to take a few moments and reflect and see about her. Much to his surprise, his intuition suggested that what would be most helpful to Mrs. Gonzalez would be for them to pray together. He was not a praying man. He began to sweat. Professionally, this felt risky to him. He reviewed a sort of an inner checklist in his mind when, before he took any kind of action. Uh, was there some reason not to do this? <laughs> Would following this um, insight cause any, anyone any harm? Would it delay any needed treatment? Um, could it embarrass or humiliate anybody? Um, going down his checklist, he couldn't find a single reason to discard this insight. So there it was. So he turned to this ill grandmotherly patient and said, Mrs. Gonzalez, you know, perhaps it might be good if before you left, it might be good if we took a moment and prayed together. She looked at him and began to cry. Fortunately, he didn't do what I had been trained to do and what he had been trained to do a long time ago when a patient cried. He didn't call a nurse. He did what, he, what his intuition told him to do. Taking her hand, he just sat quietly with her and waited. Still holding his hand, she said to him, that would be wonderful, doctor. And then she told him that she was a Catholic and asked if they could kneel down. Somewhat shaken, he looked towards the door. It was closed. Certainly. He replied. So in his white coat, he helped her to kneel down, and he knelt down next to her in the tiny examining room. She began to pray, first in Spanish and then in English. Uh, he had not prayed for many years, but as her voice settled him and his memory suddenly awakened by the sound of her voice, gave him back a prayer from his childhood. When she had finished praying aloud, he spoke his, this prayer aloud too. There was a long, comfortable silence. Then very gently, the old woman reached across and touched his cheek, 
first in Spanish and then in English. She asked God to bless him and strengthen him in doing his important work. He says he can still feel the warmth of her hand even six years later. He remembers it when things get tough and it never fails him. That's beautiful, Rachel. These stories are so heart-opening and sweet. Well, if you can believe it, we've come to the end of our hour. <laughs> Quite amazing. Isn't it? It's always sort of magical. Right? Well, it is. Being with you is magical. It always comes together in some amazing way that we don't know what we're going to do, and then it all just <laughs> works. So... Uh, Thank you for all of your stories and your wisdom, Rachel. I, I, I am truly a beneficiary of it. I just love hearing, hearing what you have to say about all these subjects. It really helps me. It helps me is to have new, new chance to chant to myself as yes. I yeah. Well, I think I'm going to end with this little song today because it's kind of what we've been talking about of just allowing yourself to feel that no matter what age you're in, that you are a gift. It's what you said before, that no one will ever be like you before or after. It's just you are unique, that you are a gift. So it goes like this. I am a gift, no matter what age, no matter how I look, there's beauty in each stage. And I am a gift. And I promise every day that when I look in the mirror, I'll say, I am a gift. So that's what I'm going to have you all do right now is just say, I am a gift. And I am a gift. I've loved really well. And every year I've lived has a different tale to tell. I've made mistakes and I have some regrets, but I promise I'll never forget that I am a gift. Can you sing that line with me? Just say, I am a gift. When I forget the truth about me When it seems time and youth Are just marching on without me But that's when I might need you to find me And ever so gently remind me that I am a gift, a precious child, and I was put here on this earth, uh, but only for a while. So I make this vow, and I say it with love, that I am perfect and whole and enough, and I am a gift. Sing that line with me now. Just say, I am a gift. 
Say that again to yourself. Say, I am a gift. Now, if you happen to be watching this with someone else, tell them, say, you are a gift. Think of someone in your mind's eye and say, you are a gift. And put your hand over your heart and say, I, and say, I am a gift. So hopefully in this hour, you have felt that from both of us. I am a gift that no matter what age you are, you are unique. I am a gift and perfect. And I am a gift. And you are a gift, Rachel, to me and to everyone on this call today. So thank you for being here, everyone. I see all the little hearts coming up. It's so sweet. And we'll be back again next month in October. Thank you for having us, Kira. Thank you, Ken, for all you do behind the scenes. You both are just so amazing. I'm so grateful to spend this hour with you again this month and all the months. Autumn is my favorite season, and I just, this is a beautiful way to celebrate it. So much gratitude for the autumn and the harvest and all of you who are joining us. Thank you for being with us at the New School at Commonweal. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to a TNS presentation with Rachel Naomi Remen and Karen Drucker. Thank you for listening to TNS, the New School at Commonweal. The New School at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. Our theme music was performed by Debbie Daly. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, and Amazon Music. Thanks for listening. Water can heal my body, water can heal my soul.